Welcome to Doing Big Things. I'm Brett McDermott, and every week we are going to explore the systems, mindset, and habits that are allowing people to take action on their dreams and be the hero of their own story. My hope is that you walk away from every episode with new tools and strategies that will help you to realize your full human potential and do big things in your own life. I appreciate you being here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Brett McDermott, and this is Doing Big Things, where every week we speak with entrepreneurs from around the world that are doing big things and find out what habits, systems, and mindset are allowing them to thrive. And today I am extremely excited because we're speaking with a Southern California real estate rock star. This guy has climbed Mount Everest. He runs a tremendously successful real estate business. He makes some of the most entertaining and creative content that you're going to find on all of social media. He also coaches other agents on how to leverage social to grow their businesses. He's a very in-demand speaker right now on the conference circuit, and we're going to do our best to figure out how he's doing all he's doing. Crispin Yaman, thanks for being on the show, my man. Brett, the intro like like exceeds me. Thank you, brother. <laughs> you know, it's, I, you know, I took a little time to write that one. I want to make sure that I hit on all the points. You got a lot of points, man. You're coaching, you're making content, you're closing deals, you're climbing mountains. There's a lot to touch on when you're writing an intro for Christopher Benyamin, dude. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, I am flattered. And honestly, I'm hyped to be here. I don't think I've seen you since uh, Summit, right? Like in person in Dallas? Tom Ferry. Absolutely. I walked right up to you and I asked you about your content system. And I, you know, I'll say one thing I remember because you were one of the speakers at that conference and you had a lot of people coming up to you asking you questions about your business, about a, a variety of things, I'm sure. But one thing I really appreciated from you was I could tell when I asked you that question that you were completely focused on me and me alone. I got to say, you're a tremendous listener and you really give the people in front of you your total focus, which is not easy to do at a conference with 10,000 agents, you know, all around you. So that was one thing I, I really took from that interaction. I'm like, this guy's pretty cool. He actually listens to the people in front of him, which is, which is not, not something you can say about everyone in this day and age. Thank you, Brett. That means a lot. Yeah, I remember it. And honestly, like hats off to you because um, even as an agent, agents can be very timid and sort of shy. And you were unabashedly just like charged towards me, asked the question. Um, no, nah, that was that was great. And I really appreciate that. I think uh, that's what people deserve. That's the business we're in. I think whether it's, you know, agent to agent, agent to client, um, we should be talking less, listening more. And I think that's like a piece of a lot of successful agents sort of arsenal is how much are they listening? Sure. I totally, totally agree with that. And I've had on, you know, some, some, a bunch of mega producers recently. And I think I've asked them, you know, what, what is, you know, your mindset when you go into a phone call and I will say the top producers, they consistently say, I'm just there to listen. I'm there to ask questions, find out their pain points. I want to learn as much as possible about the people on the other side of the phone. So it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, you know, yeah. funny story. Chris was supposed to be on the podcast about two months ago. And then I get an email from him like three or four hours before the show. And he goes, Brett, I'm so sorry, man. I don't think I'm gonna be able to make the show. My wife is going into labor. <laughs> And I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm not going to get mad at that. Good luck, brother. We'll get you on sometime this year. A hundred percent. Yeah. I wasn't trying to dodge you at all. I remember thinking like, is, 
you know, I mean, it's my first baby and I don't understand the full timeline of how long it takes. And I was like, can I do this from the hospital? Will I be able to juggle this from the lobby? And I appreciate you rescheduling me. Oh, God bless you, dude. And I could tell the tone in the email is like, you felt bad about canceling it out. And I was like, do not feel bad, man. We'll, we'll make it happen. Go, go have that baby. And that baby's about to turn two months and God bless you. You, you look pretty well rested, all things considered. Thank you. Yeah, you know, um, all things considered, I feel very good. I am uh, focusing on my health again, you know, for having my whole life be consumed by health and fitness at one period of time. It totally has fallen into the back seat, but now I'm back on it. The baby is almost two months. Young Hendrix is almost two months and he's sleeping, I don't know, three, four hours at a time. Uh, so we're not getting through the night quite yet, but, um, you know, I'm charged up, like I'm charged up. The weather is nice. I'm charged up to see you. Uh, we opened escrow for one of our buyers today. Like I'm just blessed, man. Like I really am. Let's go. Let's go. Hendrix is a great name, by the way, by the way, you're, you do have some white teeth, man. I was, I was looking through some of your, I was looking through some of your comments today. I was, you know, researching your content and I saw one of the comments was, do you use teeth whiteners? Look at that smile. Holy cow. You know, this, is, this is the camera, man. This is the camera. This is like, you know, I look like a, like a dump, like a dumpster fire up close. <laughs> Well, I guess I got to get that camera, man, because you look pretty good right now. Um, so anyway, so let's just kind of like, you know, jump right into social media. It's an area that you thrive in. It's an area that you advise agents on how they can thrive. You know, what did your start on social media look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So my start looked very different from where we are today, and it really began uh, showing up consistently but showing up only one day a week. Circa 2018, I had just gotten into the business. I joined my mom, who's been in the business 35 years, and she took me straight out the gates to a Tom Ferry elite seminar, elite retreat. Cool. Right out the gate. That's incredible. Right out the gate. Well, you know, I've always been an advocate or a proponent for uh, like personal development and coaching, and that's a result of my mom's influence. So 12 or 13 years old, she took me to a Tony Robbins seminar where I walked on the coals. I've been a few times since. Um, Love it. I just, I really believe in being able to learn from people that have, you know, doing more than you. So 2018, very similar to what he's telling us now, Tom Ferry is on the stage saying, make content or, you know, be forgotten. And obviously nobody is really calling me at this point. I had just transitioned industry. So it's not like people knew that I was selling real estate. And I kind of just said to myself, this is one thing that I can control. And this is one thing that I can do. So I committed to showing up once a week on social media. And this was the Instagram green screen before there was really Instagram green screen. I would print a Keeping Current Matters article. I would just hold the chart next to my head. Love that. And I would just point and talk to it. And that was really where it all began. Uh, It wasn't complicated. It wasn't high production value, but it was enough to keep me accountable. It was enough for me to feel like I was having legitimate conversations with people. And that's kind of where it just snowballed. Like anything else, you catch a little taste, you get better at it. And, uh, you know, I guess fast forward five years, um, it's turned into a little machine. 
Very cool. And I think there's a couple really good takeaways from that, that anyone who's listening can, can kind of take action on one. If you're just starting out as an agent or you're just starting out in any business, go to a conference and surround yourself with the best in that business right off the bat. I mean, that's going to set you ahead of the curve so much. I mean, I know so many agents that are like five, seven, eight years into their careers and they've still never gone to a conference. And I'm like, what are you doing? You got to go learn from the best in any industry. That's how you get better. And I think my other biggest takeaway from that was whatever it is, just be consistent with social media. Like if you've only got the time to post once a week right now, show up once a week for your audience and they can count on that post once a week right. and, and then build from there. But just have a system in place, even if it is only once a week and, and then, you know, scale off of that. I, I love that. Very, very cool. Right. And now, and you know, go ahead. And I was going to say, and to acknowledge that everybody has a starting point, right? So I think it's unfair to you know visit a visit someone like my profile and be like damn i can't do that but we forget that day one looked very different than day you know five year than than year five um and to give yourself that grace i think everybody is looking for the perfect topic the perfect hook the perfect this when instead you just have to start because we all suck when we get started it's just the natural progression. So it's like the sooner you can get the suck out of the way, the sooner you get good. So true. Get the suck out of the way. I love that. I mean, I was uh, listening to a, uh, that's, that's a great, that's a great quote. I was listening to a book by uh, Russell Brunson, right? The, yeah. click, the click funnels click guy. Funnels. And he's like, the beauty of podcasting is he's like, you know, you, you get the first 50 to 100 episodes out of the way, get the suck out of the way. And like, no, hardly anyone's even listening. And, uh, but, you know, but at that point, and, th and then you're actually pretty good by the time you built an audience. So I, I totally agree. You got to get the suck out of the way in anything you do. And you, and you just got to stick with it, dude. So, you know, I kind of want to get a little more granular on your social media process because I think it's easy to look at like, you know, your, your Instagram page and you see the whatever it is, the 25,000 followers and you see like the beautiful content, you're interviewing people, you're funny as hell, like you're dressed up, you're, you're wearing wigs and stuff. I mean, you're doing, you are like one of the more entertaining agents on all of social media. I mean, it's, it's a great follow. You know, where do the ideas come from? Are you constantly jotting down ideas all day? Like, do you have a process for just ideas? Yes, uh, that's a great question. And I think the first thing is sort of my belief in being very creative. And I feel like one of the biggest struggles when I speak to agents is their disbelief in them being creative. And I think it's because we identify creativity with a funny video or we identify creativity with, you know, some catchy uh, hook. But Agents are incredibly creative. When we're troubleshooting, you know, how to keep an escrow together, that's creativity. That's problem solving. When you are handling an objection, that's creativity. So I think the first step in my process and really everybody's process should be believing that they are creative. Because if you don't, then you're just blind to the opportunities or to the ideas that are coming. So um, I really am like big on my positive self-talk. And part of that is like, I am creative. I do come up with good ideas. As far as nuts and bolts, wheels on the ground, coming up with my ideas, before Hendrix, when I felt like my schedule was a bit more dialed in, I do have on my calendar once a week to be coming up with content to be just coming up with ideas. Okay. Um, 
I'm sorry if that's my microphone. No, no, that 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 that's me. That's me. Don't worry about it. That's me, we're brother. in LA too, brother. So don't even yeah. sweat. I was like, this is. This yeah, is- no, I'm in I'm in Jersey City. I you know I usually get at least uh, one one siren for a podcast. It's kind of my calling card at this point. I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> It's the real deal. It's the real um, deal, man. This is this is raw, uncut footage right here. We're talking right. we're, we're, we're talking some turkey, but uh, that's anyway, right. go ahead. Oh, so you I used will. to block off an hour just for idea, like just coming up with ideas or going over your ideas, coming up with ideas and fleshing them out into scripts. So I have a note on my phone if I were to grab that just says content ideas. Mm -hmm. So anytime that I am struck by an idea or that stroke of genius, or I see something that inspires me, or if I'm just reading the news, I will copy paste whatever that link is, or I will jot down whatever the concept is on this notes page. So I at least have it somewhere. And then once a week, I'll revisit that running list of ideas and I will flesh them out to either become scripts. If I'm delivering something more informational, uh, I'll write a script because it's just my process. Or if it's going to be a skit, then I'll flesh out what that skit is. And I really try to do it with specificity because it allows the shooting part to be so much faster. Having done this for so long, I've realized how much you hinder yourself or Mm -hmm. how much you can like decrease your productivity if you are trying to come up with ideas at the same time as executing the ideas. I've really found personally, you have to segregate them in time because if not, everything sort of becomes a little lackluster. Love that. I think that that's really powerful stuff, you know. Sure, jot down your ideas all day, every day when they hit you and in, in, in the note on your Evernote app. But then, you know, once a week, block off an hour, flesh out the, those ideas, script them out. So then when it is time to shoot them, you know, you're ready to go. You're, you're not trying to figure out what you're going to say on the day of the shoot. Exactly. You know, even for, I mean, I'm a human like everybody else and the videos might not show it, but like I deal with anxiety. I deal with sort of this like imposter syndrome and fear of being in front of the camera. And I think when I am trying to do more than just perform, it just like, it can cripple me. And, uh, when you have other people that are like either on your dime, like if you're paying somebody by the hour to help you create content or somebody salaried, or I mean, like a lot of agents just making content for yourself it's still your time you're burning. So have you heard of this idea of like being in the flow state? Sure. Yeah. I've heard of it. Absolutely. Right. So the concept is pretty simple. It's like, it takes time to get into the flow state, but Mm -hmm. that flow state is sort of when you don't feel resistance, you're just creating or you're just flowing. And the flow state to come up with ideas is different than the flow state for performing. And that's why totally I think it's important that. to be like separating them. Yeah, no, I think that that that's really powerful stuff. And I, I want to kind of rewind a little bit to the the self talk that you spoke of a little bit there. Yeah. I I am creative. I do come up with good ideas. Is this something that you'll say to yourself on a daily basis? Like, do you have a certain time of your day when you do affirmations like this, or do you just kind of say them to yourself whenever you like think of it? Um. I will. So as a team, 
uh, we will do affirmations once a week together before our office meeting or our office will do affirmations together as a group every Wednesday. Now that sure. I'm talking to you about it, I really think that we should begin our like role plays and our team meetings with these affirmations uh, because I think that they're effective and they're, they're important. For me personally, depending on what I'm, what's going on in my life, I will have like themes when it comes to my affirmations. So uh, on Everest, I had certain affirmations that I was saying to myself. Um, right now, my affirmation is, if crackheads can raise a baby, you too can raise a baby. <laughs> That's a powerful one. <laughs> I'm just kidding. A little humor for the new dads. Yeah, it's, you know, dad jokes. Sorry, guys. Dad <laughs> Sorry for anyone out there. But yeah, we had to squeeze in a couple a couple new dad jokes. We're, we're sliding them in. <laughs> you got to. You got to. But I think the self-talk is huge. And I think whatever your affirmations are, like, I am strong. I am successful. I am capable. Uh, it's big. And I think, man, if you're not ready to start having positive affirmations, all I would ask anybody to do is check what they're saying to themselves, right? An affirmation, like when you say I'm so dumb, the body, the mind is absorbing that shit. So don't say that kind of stuff. You know, you don't have like, if you don't like my flowery energy of saying I'm creative, that's fine. Don't say that you're creative, but you should probably stop saying that you're not creative. Totally agree with that. I think that when we say these things to ourselves, we are absolutely programming our subconscious and that is going to, you know, you're going to see that in real life on, on paper. Um, and I really think affirmations, especially ones that are attached to character traits, like, right, I am creative, I am, you know, courageous, whatever it is, right. especially when you, I uh, you know, prefer to say them out loud with emotion. And I think that is when they can really ingrain themselves, you know, into your core. You know, I think the affirmations like I have a million dollars or, you know, I am super famous. I don't find those as powerful as the ones that are necessarily attached to character traits like courage, creativity, things like that. Those are the ones that I really think stick to me. And I actually see a difference in myself when I'm consistently doing them. I haven't thought about it so closely to break them down, but as you say that, I think you're totally right. Uh, I think any of the affirmations I've had have been sort of more character-driven as opposed to result-driven or goal, you know, focused on the goal, but rather something greater. I think you're totally right about that. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got goals. You've got goals. You know, I right. certainly intend on accomplishing them. I just think from a strict affirmations point of view, the character related affirmations are just much more powerful. 100%. So don't want, I don't want to move on from your, you know, content um, machine yet. So we kind of, we went into ideas. We talked about scripting. How often do you get out there and shoot content? That's a good man. Before so my life has been flipped upside down. Uh, sure. Yeah, there, 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 there's before down. and after Hendrix, I, I get it. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And at the same time, there is before and after sort of the evolution of um, bringing on somebody full time. So before we jumped onto this, uh, or sure. before we started recording, we were sort of talking about the support and the team that I have around me. So before, that I, before bringing in a creative director in-house, my main man, Joaquin, I was shooting religiously twice a month. Okay. Twice a month, all day long, from about 9 a.m. until whatever time I finished with my guys, we would just shoot content. And I wasn't ever shooting, like, I would never abuse them or 
I would never abuse them. So it's not like I would film a hundred videos in one day, but it would generally be between like 12 and 16 videos. Sure. Some of those being long form being chopped up into smaller ones. But to, to answer the question, it was two days a month religiously for four years. Now the flow is a bit more fluid because I have somebody, um, with me most of the time, but I found that to be very challenging because I have access or the ability to shoot any time that I want, but I don't necessarily have it blocked on the calendar. It's becoming more difficult to create. Sure. I get that. I get that. Cause if you've got that film crew booked for Saturday, you, you better, better be ready. you better be prepared, man. Cause that, that ain't cheap exactly. <laughs> and, and, and you're paying for it either way. So I, I, I can totally understand that. And like you said, it's a transition and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll find the way to, to work with this new adjustment uh, 100%. You know, as, and I think as you move forward. Guys like you and me, I think are similar in the sense, I don't know how to do anything sort of like half speed. Sure. Whether that's good or bad, you know, I generally have zero or 120 miles an hour. And I think being a new dad and growing is sort of teaching me this like third gear. Uh, but I have a hard time starting and stopping things. And that's why I almost, how would I explain it? It's like, I'm not going to go backwards on my content creation. It just is what it is now, whether it stresses me out, whether it gives me anxiety, like I create a certain level of con a certain consistency of content and hell or high water, baby or no baby, this shit's coming out and I'm sure. going to figure out a way to make it happen. Um, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but it's just sort of the way that I'm wired. <laughs> well, I, I certainly think it's the psyche of, you know, of a successful person. You know, it's like they're going to figure out a way to get it done and it gets a little tougher when you've got a baby in the mix and maybe you can't time block out your schedule by the minute anymore. Right. <laughs> right, I know right. that was a big adjustment for me. I used to love to just have my calendar just perfectly planned out and I'm going to do, I'm going to do this from eight to nine and this from nine to 10 and this from 10. And then you get up and it's like blowout diaper and oh my God, the kid's got a fever, something else every day. So I, I've had to adjust to that a little bit. And I will say now these are your old, we've kind of gotten more into some solid routines and I have been able to move back towards that, right. you know, getting a little bit more, you know, uh, routine scheduled. scheduled with my day, which is a nice feeling as an entrepreneur. <laughs> it's a nice feeling. It really is. I'm looking for it again, my friend. I'm looking for it. <laughs> so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, social media engagement, right? Because it's, you know, it's yeah. one thing putting out consistent media, but social media is supposed to be social too, right? We got to be 100%. blocking off some time to be like sending comments, DMs, likes, you know, we have to be out there being social, giving engagement if we expect to get right. it on our own. Do you have a process for engagement? Do you block off time for engagement? Do you just do it as the day goes on randomly? Like wh what's your engagement process? That's an excellent question that I don't think anybody has ever asked me nice. on, on this is, that's a nice. really good one. Um, so my process with engagement, um, is whether it's perfect or not, I will. So I generally post every single morning. Okay. Between 7 and like 9 a.m. is my time. My preference is 7 a.m. It's okay. not always like that, but the mornings is my preference. And what I will do before I post, whatever, before it goes live, I will – see, now it's like kind of fluid. 
at about nine, about seven or 8 PM the night before I will stop responding to comments. I will just not engage back after a certain time in the evening. And the reason I do that is so in the morning I have things to address to help the algorithm help my content go a little bit further. So before I post my piece of content, I will make sure to respond to all the comments that I would have missed that came through the middle of the night and from when I stopped at seven or eight the night before. Love that. I will clear my inbox of all the direct messages from anybody that would have sent me something from the night before, and then I will post my piece of content. I generally do not try to spend much time on the app in the middle of the day because Mm -hmm. it can really suck you into the black hole. So I do have my post notifications on. That way, if I get a DM from a, a prospect or a lead or something that is like time sensitive, I would address those. But for the most part, I am sort of letting a lot of comments and things go by because I'm still focused on selling every single day, right? right. So if I'm focused on other pieces of my business, I cannot be engaging 24-7. However, the asterisk is once I post whatever it is I'm going to post, I do try to be available for about 15 to 20 minutes so that I can respond to those first few comments because that is kind of telling the algorithm uh, people are engaging, right? So I will be present for the first uh, 20 minutes or so, and then I will just sort of catch up with everything in the evening because, you know, as much as I love content creation, that is not what's it is definitely a piece of what is helping us sell so many houses but um posting content is like fishing while getting on the phone or door knocking is like hunting right so sure. i think it takes doing both um to be successful yeah i totally agree with that i think that you know having a great social media process is certainly going to support the other fundamentals that you already have to have in place you've got to have the phone calls in place the door knocking the mailers the other marketing you know avenues and and then when that person is deciding on whether they're going to choose you or some other realtor when they google you and they see your social media process that's going to certainly help you make their decision a little bit easier but to just be focusing on social media all day to me is not the way um totally agree with that and one other thing you said there which i thought was pretty interesting because you said you kind of avoid the app in the middle of the day, right? You know, you're doing your posting in the morning, you're engaging at night and a little bit in the evening. Whereas I think a lot of people would see someone like you who's got all these followers and you're posting every day. They would think you're on the app all day long. It doesn't sound like that's the case. I really not. I really try not to be. So I, I do believe in posting things to the story. So anytime and I should be better at it, but anytime I'm doing something, showing a house, writing a contract, I am trying to pop on and post something on the story, but you have to be very mindful because before you know it, you're just scrolling with no intent, just no intent. And those two minutes here, five minutes here, seven minutes here really begin to add up. So I'm not perfect, don't get me wrong, like I am on there, but I really try to make it the point to not be investing a lot of time in the middle of the day because I just don't think it's best serving me. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I saw, I'm, I'm sure you probably know who he is, uh, Alex Hormozzi, you know, pr pretty yeah. popular uh, business mind on social media right now. And I saw a tweet by him recently that actually said that he deletes social medias from his phone when he's on a big project that he really feels like he needs to push on. And I thought that was pretty interesting to hear that from a guy with such a big presence that even sometimes he'll say, listen, this is too distracting. I'm getting it off my phone. I can be more intentional on desktop with my comments and things like that. Of course, he's got a full team of people that are filming him and right. posting his stuff as well. So it's a little bit of a different situation. But I do think that social media in some aspects, if you're finding yourself constantly checking it, constantly interrupting your flow, like we talked about earlier, mm. then it's going to hurt you more than it helps you. So I think stick to the routine that kind of you just spoke of. Do your posts in the morning, do some engagement in the morning, in the evening, post to the story throughout the day. But be, beyond that, try and stay off the app during the day. The day is for putting your head down, working, focusing on the projects in front of you and keep social media towards the boundaries. I think that's right. I think that's right. I think unless, and there are a lot of ways to make social media strategic in prospecting, mm -hmm. unless you're on the app prospecting, which we could totally jump into or ways to do that. Go, go do, go do some money-making activities. I agree. And you can prospect on social media too, right? I mean, you can try and find potential homeowners within your farm and interact with them on the app. I agree. That's money-making activity, like direct right. money-making activity. Right. But I would say most agents that I see in my office that are on Instagram, they're during the day, they're, you know, they're not farming. They're, they're, right. they're just, they're just scrolling through their feeds. <laughs> right. You know, what's funny when you, when you say that and it was making me think something is when I come into my office um, and it's quiet, I feel like embarrassed or when somebody comes in and I'm not on the phone, I feel slightly embarrassed because in my mind, a booming real estate office should be fucking noisy. People are on the phones, people are talking, people are having conversations, troubleshooting. Uh, and I think too much of us are just like behind a screen, right? This is like a contact sport. And, uh, I mean, you just like, tell me I'm wrong. You've walked into a real estate office and it sounds like a library. Oh, I mean, more often than not these days. It shouldn't. Know? It shouldn't. <laughs> more, I totally agree. I mean, I think if every agent out there would just block off an hour and a half a day and just hit the phones, whether you're calling your sphere or FISBOs or right. circle prospecting, I don't care what it is. Just make phone calls for an hour and a half a day. Their business right. would grow 100% in 12 months. I mean, just – you know, people, like you said, they hide behind their screens and it's easier just to send emails and text messages and, and, you know, search for listings for a, you know, a buyer for, you know, three hours than it is to pick up the phone and make a couple phone right. calls. I, I'm totally right. with you there. Um, as far as like, not necessarily social media, but just like a general marketing perspective. Cause I just feel like you have a great mind for marketing in general, you know, where do you think, you know, most agents or small business owners are, are kind of leaving opportunity on the table? And, it, and it, it can be social media, but just what do you see as kind of some low hanging fruit that people are just not taking advantage of right now? So this is quasi social media, but it's just search SEO, search engine mm -hmm. optimization stuff. Google my business. First thing that comes to mind is I think Google my business is one that a lot of business owners, agents, entrepreneurs are sleeping on. Google my business is a wonderful, um, uh, program platform on Google that is definitely helping us create uh, conversations, seller and buyer leads. You can post on Google My Business 
updates to your business. I use it as a social platform. So anything you see me share on Instagram, you'll also see on Google My Business, um, all of our listings, reviews. I think Google My Business is a very, very underrated or slept on uh, platform. The other thing that I think is being slept on is email marketing. I think that we believe that our audience is seeing too much of us that we don't want to send people emails when in reality, uh, I don't think they're seeing enough of us. So the email, the database, emailing your database, I think is a wonderful opportunity to connect with your audience um, that I don't think enough agents are. We were doing canned blog posts for a long while. I got mm -hmm. nothing against these services that will create blogs for you. However, I think if you feel like it's canned, the chances are the consumer might feel like it's canned. So one thing that we're doing, and you have to understand, we're putting video first. Like we are a video first real estate team. What we are doing is leveraging the content we're creating by putting it in our weekly email. So rather than um, like a canned blog post, our email to the database every week, and now we're going to be upping it to twice a week, Wednesday and Sunday, Wednesday and Saturday, is a recap of all of our content. So if I've posted on social Monday through Friday, my partner has posted on social Monday through Friday, the weekly email will be sort of, 10 thumbnails with a blog write-up under each one where they could click on it and it would direct them to either the YouTube short or the Instagram, wherever that video is living. Uh, I think that's another great opportunity for people to be uh, connecting with consumers is um, meritorious or emails that like you're investing in, not just canned stuff. Sure. Wow. Meritorious. I'm going to have to look that one up after the interview. <laughs> I that's strong. Merit. <laughs> that's that's strong. I like that. Meritorious. But I totally agree. I think that, you know, most agents or small business owners, maybe they're emailing their their database like, you know, once a month or or once a quarter and because they don't want to annoy anybody. And I totally agree. That's the wrong cadence. I think you've got to be emailing your sphere, your database once a week at the minimum. And I, I think you upping it to two times a week is a hundred percent the right move. I, I, I found when I took my newsletter from a, a monthly to a weekly, my open rate went up by like 10% immediately. People just get more in the routine of opening your email because it's coming in more often. And like you said, it's got to be quality stuff. It's got to be something that you really care about the content. It's not canned, something they look forward to opening, whether it's videos or whether it's market information that you actually write up and, you know, some input on or whether it's right. th things going on in their town, whatever it is, you know, put a little bit of time into that newsletter, send it out more often. And that right there is going to be a huge boon to anyone's business. I agree. And the last thing I would add to sending the email or really any type of marketing when you ask what could we be doing better is how often are you or are we uh, auditing what we're doing? The email is a good example of this. Whether it's a 1% open rate or a 70% open rate, you can see exactly who opened it and how many times they opened it. So if you're looking for people to be communicating with, the list is right there. Send the email and look at who's opening it multiple times. Give those people a call. Or if you're making content, whether it's print content or digital content, look at the analytics. Is it being shared? Are people commenting? Are people saving it? And if it's not, audit, you know, pivot and adjust. Sure. And I think 
you know, you're spending a lot of time making content, but also you're leveraging that content and you're using it in a variety of places, right? Like we're not just right. posting on Instagram, we're posting on shorts. And then we're taking all these and we're putting them in a newsletter. I think right. that's genius. That That's really, re really cool stuff. So just to kind of switch gears, you know, a little bit. I mean, you know, you're clearly, you're a hardworking dude, man. I mean, you are out there crushing deals. You're climbing Mount Everest. You're a new father. You're traveling across the nation, speaking at conferences. I mean, you've got a lot going on right now. Clearly work ethic is, is, is one of your superpowers, but Thanks, uh, I'm curious, do you ever feel a resistance to work? And if so, you know, what do you say to yourself in those moments or what do you do to push through that resistance and continue to take action towards your goals? Oof. Oof, man. <laughs> the I, soft, the, the, the softball tosses are over, Chris. We're, that's we're, right. Here's we're the at the, fastball. we're at the 35 minute mark, baby. I'm hitting you with the, I'm hitting you with the fastballs now. <laughs> you know, no, I like it because I, I want to be real. That's the funny thing about this, like hyper motivation or this hyper get shit done state that I'm frequently in. Um, it's hard to always feel that way, right? And I kind of alluded to this in the beginning with my health and fitness, but for the last 10 years, up until last year, so much of my focus and bandwidth was climbing mountains to get to Mount Everest. It's like climb this mountain, do this training, climb this, climb this, and eventually you get there. And I would just, I was so focused on the goal that it, um, that I was scared to do anything else. Like I was scared to fall short. So I guess what I would say is if you don't have an overwhelmingly strong why or an overwhelmingly strong reason to do whatever it is that you're doing, it will be difficult to get yourself out of the rut. So if you feel like a lack of passion for whatever you're up to, I think the sooner you can identify what it is you really want, like really, really want, the sooner you will be able to pull yourself out of the rut. That's one thing. Um, the second thing I think is trying to not make it about you. So I think I heard, I don't remember who I, who I saw, who I heard say this, but I really believe it to be true is when you can remove yourself from the equation and come from a place of like other people or service. And I don't mean that to be catchphrasy. I really mean it from a place of uh, pulling yourself out of a rut uh, because I've been there and definitely have dealt with like a lot of, I don't want to say mental health stuff, but like I am my own worst enemy to the sure. nth degree. And when I hear you like rattle off these accolades, I'm like, fuck, am I, am I this guy? Like, am I still this guy that Brett thinks I am? <laughs> and, um, you know, I think when you can do things for other people, so if we're focused on real estate, take yourself out of like, I need to make this money to buy this BMW, but instead I need to put this family in this brownstone, or I need to get this family out of this brownstone to be somewhere that is like more reasonable or whatever it is. When you can start really focusing on them, then I feel like you're just, you, it takes up the bandwidth to focus on yourself. I hope that did that answer the question? Yeah, a little. 100, no, a, a lot, man. That was really powerful stuff. And I, but I, totally but I also agree. think like it's okay to be in a not. I, let me say this: I don't know if it's okay to be in a rut for a long period of time. 
but I've been in ruts for long periods of time. I kid you not. Like, I kid you not. I got back from Everest May 15, May 18th or May 19th, 2022. Yeah. And I feel like I was in a very weird headspace up until December of 2022. I don't know how many months that is. June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Seven months, seven months, I was in a very dark place. And it just came a day where I said, honestly, I looked at the calendar and I was like, how many more months are you just going to be like this? Soon, these habits are going to be your personality. Soon, this personality is going to be your demeanor. And um, I don't know. I just think like enough is enough sometimes, but you have to feel that way. So I'd say feel your feelings. People that I think are really crushing it are able to feel their feelings, quickly process whatever is negative, sort of say that I'm going to give myself an hour to pout, and then I'm going to get back on the horse. So um, give yourself the grace to sort of be in the rut for a little bit, but then, you know, you just got to figure out a way to pull yourself out. And I think by serving other people and having a big why is, is sort of how I got mine, how I got myself out of mine. Yeah. And I think that's really what it boils down to. And I, you know, I've asked that question to a lot of higher achievers and high performers like yourself. And I, I get a similar answer. Most times it's, you really have to have a defined why, and you have to tap into that why often. And then you got to make it about serving others. Cause if it's just about buying yourself that BMW, you're going to run out of steam, man. You just right. are. Cause that's not 100%. how we're built. That's not how we're built exactly. intrinsically. Right. But I do want to ask something. You were in a dark place for six, seven months. Did you maintain your traditional level of productivity in those seven months? And if you did, you know, how did you do that? You know, I would say most people, if they're in a dark place, they lose steam and productivity. They're not producing at, at a very high level. At least from social media, it looked like you were still crushing last year. I was watching you. You know, I, I had no clue, man. I'm like, this guy's crushing deals. I had no idea you were not feeling as good as you're feeling today. Were, were you able to maintain a high level of productivity, even though you were feeling down? And, and like, how did you do that? If you did that. Right. So uh, the like routines. I think when you when you have such a routine dialed in that you can kind of start doing things on autopilot and you might not get the satisfaction, but you can get the job done. So um, certain things I just know we talked about making the phone calls for an hour and a half a day. I mean, very simply, it's like the objective is to have for us 10 conversations a day, good mood, bad mood, decent mood, you know, like the mood you can kind of put to the side because all I need to do is have the 10 conversations, right? And if you can focus on these small, I guess it's like discipline, like these small disciplines, then you don't allow whatever mood you're in to dictate your productivity. But the important part about being in the mood or a positive state of mind is enjoying the process. You know what I mean? I really hate looking back. I just hate the days that I would dread having to come up with ideas or I hate that feeling of like, man, I hope I get hit by a bus so I don't have to be in front of the camera or shit. Like, wouldn't it be nice if the phones just went down and I didn't have to pick them up? Like, wouldn't right. it be sweet if there was like a reason? So it's like, it's not good to operate from that place 24 seven, because what's the point? Like, what's the point of 
being on stage? What's the point of getting like these nice, like highlights and like love if you are just, I call it the Robin Williams syndrome. You know what I mean? Like I loved Robin Williams. God bless Robin Williams. And you just think of somebody that just gave the world so much joy and so much happiness that he couldn't just see past it. And like, we just get, it's just, you gotta love the bride and you gotta love the process because the result at the end is not enough to, to get you going. And I think when you have, when you have certain disciplines, um, they can carry you through, um, the dark places. And this is the big piece. When you have people depending on you, then you show up. There you go. I think that's huge. Community. Community will, you know, will, will keep us going more than I think anything will. You know, we can Amen. read all the personal, we can read all the personal development books we want and fill our head with the best knowledge out there. But if we're not surrounding ourselves with a tribe that have similar goals or similar life views as we do and holding us accountable to what we're looking to do, then we're not really going to improve too much in the long run. So to me, I think that is huge. Finding a tribe. I think and I wish I would have started with that. And it's not like the whole internet is my community, but in my egotistical brain that you have to have to an extent to perform the way that you want to perform. I have made it to myself that I'm expected to show up every day. What I mean, and you it's, are. I'm sure there are a lot of people that follow you and they find your journey inspiring and I'm sure they look forward to your message every day. So, I mean, there's certainly truth to that. Yeah. And I think like, I think like when I think of health and fitness and I kind of wish it's like, I wish I had a gym buddy all the time because if somebody was waiting for me at the doors every day, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have fallen off the wagon the way that I did because somebody was, was counting on me. Sure. It's the beauty of CrossFit, right? You know, it's pe- people love it because it's a community of people that are there to support you. And, you know, 100%. whereas maybe, maybe you hated going to the gym by yourself. Now you kind of look forward to it a little bit. Um, exactly you know, really powerful stuff. And I totally agree. You got to enjoy the journey, right? You got to wake up every day and be like, today's the day that I get to chase my dreams. I'm so blessed. Like today's the day, like 10 years from now, even if we accomplish everything we want to accomplish and we're on the highest mountain in the biggest part of town, part of us, a big part of us is probably going to look back 10 years to today and kind of wish we were still in the fight. You know, so we got to enjoy the process because it's really, that's what it's about, man. It's about getting up every day, chasing those goals and enjoying it while you're doing it. That's powerful stuff. Amen. And you mentioned the word mood a few times. So we got to talk about the battle cry, man. And the, the battle cry is F your mood. And that's the PG 13 version. But I mean, I actually got to the Tom Ferry summit late. I was one of those people that got in late because everyone's flights got delayed. So I missed your speech. But I remember for the next two days hearing at like the, the events and the bars and whatever it was, people talking about your speech and, and the whole premise around it, the, you know, the, the, the core message was F your mood, you know, do what you need to do. And I'm just curious, like, you know, where did this battle cry come from? It, 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 it grew bigger than I ever expected. It's huge. I still see it all the time. I see people tagging you F your mood. Like I got up and made my calls today. I didn't feel like it F your mood. It's, it's a good one. It's really good. I just filed a trademark on it. No, you should. I was going to say you absolutely should. I mean, (laughs) let, 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 let's start putting that thing on some frigging t-shirts. Yeah. You know, 
start a podcast after your mood. Like, let's go. <laughs> I, saw Tom, I saw Tom Ferry ta- sent me a video, uh, a picture message. He texted me a picture of him with somebody else holding a cup that said, fuck your mood. And that day I said, I need to get this trademarked. Tom yeah. is watching. <laughs> Good call. Uh, Good. So yeah. So what, what is the, or what's like the origin and like, and what exactly does it mean? So the origin was me with my speech coach. Okay. You know, I really believe in connecting with people that know more than you. And as I was preparing for the Tom Ferry Summit, I hired a speech coach. The only the the last time I had formal training to speak was sure. I think law school or maybe the first month at the public defender's office. They ran us through some you know, simulations, but even that is more experienced than a lot of people have. And I just said with an opportunity so big, let's get the speech coach. So I brought the speech coach on, we were brainstorming ideas. I was working on different lines. We were working on sort of the theme and together we came to this fuck your mood concept or F your mood concept. And, um, I believe in alliteration. I sort of, it's a way to tell stories. It's a way to connect. And uh, it was effective in this speech. And really what it means, as we've kind of touched on, is that we will very seldomly be in the mood or the state of mind that we need to be in, in order to do whatever it is that we're trying to do. And instead of waiting to be in the mood to make your calls or waiting to be in the mood to record the video. Instead, begin making the calls or begin hitting record on the camera and you will fall into the mood by beginning that practice. And I think we as humans don't want to start something until we feel like it's time when in reality, when we start doing whatever it is after a few minutes, suddenly it's more enjoyable. And it's the same when it comes to running. It's the same when it's at the gym. It's the same when you're like starting a new diet, you know, the first bite of kale doesn't taste that good, but by the fourth, you're like that salad was not too bad. Right. It never tastes that great, the kale, but it, it does get to it does get to a not too bad place. <laughs> that, 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 was the, that was the first lie I made on the podcast. I fucking hate kale. <laughs> yeah, I don't really eat kale because I enjoy it. I eat it because I'm expecting a future reward. You know, I'm exp- yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping, you know, God's up there keeping score somewhere. And like on the back right. of my, you know, life trading card, it's like, okay, he ate kale 150 times and he's gonna live a few more days. So <laughs> That's my stance on kale. Um, Very cool stuff though, man. And totally, I think you're right on point with a lot of that. Um, So I got to know though about just Mount Everest really quick. Can we just touch on that? And I'm sure it was just a remarkable journey. And I I specifically kind of want to know, was there anything that you really learned from training or summoning Mount Everest that you were able to bring kind of lesson wise directly to the business world? Yes. So the biggest lesson that I took away was the goals need to get way bigger, way bigger, because we all end up getting things done much sooner than we expect. And then when they're done, 
you don't feel the way that you expect it to, or they didn't give you the satisfaction or peace or whatever it was that you were looking for. And I think what we expect to accomplish in 10 years, we get done in like three years. And sure. it just sort of, it reminded me that whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish, you know, like I want to sell 144 houses this year. That's Love that exact metric right there. 144. That's good stuff. One, 144 is the number, but I'm not ignorant enough to believe that that's like really what some of the biggest fish are doing. And that's why being in big circles is awesome because 144 is my goal this year, but my five-year goal is a billion. And I wouldn't think that a billion was possible until I'm rubbing shoulders with all of these people that are selling a billion dollars worth of real estate. And that's like what I love about this Everest thing and being able to connect with people is like, I ain't no different, my man. Like I'm selling houses. I have a family. I'm trying to show up consistently. I'm trying to be a decent human. And I just wanted to climb Mount Everest. And I turned it into a passion that like carried me for a lot of years. And it's just transparently, it's what are we not capable of if you want it bad enough? And if you don't get it, it's probably because you didn't want it bad enough. And like, I'm not here to hurt nobody's feelings, but like, if you suck at something, work harder at it. If you're not naturally like in order, practice, right? If you suck on the phones and you wonder why you're not converting, you need to be on the phone more than the guy next to you, right? Or if the person, you know, to the left is making better content for whatever you think is making their content better than yours, well, maybe you have to make 200 pieces while they only have to make a hundred to go viral, whatever it is. But, you know, we're just like, we're just too, we just make too many excuses for ourselves when like the good shit in life takes the suck, you know, like you got to just suffer through it. I mean, maybe that's the other business lesson is suffering, right? Like suffering is not bad. Suffering is growth. No. And um, we got it. Like, let's suffer, baby. Let's suffer, baby. Yeah, that's going to be the name of the episode. Let's go. <laughs> you know what, though? I mean, that is like, you know, super powerful. And just the importance of setting massive goals, right? I mean, we are incredibly powerful beings. If we set a massive goal and we re remind ourselves of it every day and we take action towards it every day, at the end of it all, success is a war of attrition. And the people that actually stay in the fight are the ones that win. And I think people set their goals way too small. I really do. I totally agree with that. And I love the, the Tony Robbins quote, right? We, we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in five. And we Amen. can really move, you know, change the world almost in five years. I mean, whatever you want to do in five years, you can almost damn sure do it if you really take daily action towards it. That's, that's awesome. That is, those are some awesome lessons from uh, Mount Everest. I, I don't think I'll ever climb it. So I'm happy I talked to you and I'm happy I got the, you know, I got the lesson uh, this way. <laughs> what technology oh, now? We'll just throw it up on the green screen. Throw it up there, man. Throw it up. Chris, awesome conversation. I think anyone that listened today is going to definitely take two or three things and they're going to really run with it. I think you, I think we, you really help some people today. There's, there's a question that I like to end on. And it, it, usually it goes like this. If there's someone listening right now 
And let's say they're in a job they don't really like, or they've got a dream in their heart that they're not pursuing. They feel like they can do more, but they're not taking action. They feel stuck. How do they get unstuck? I ask myself this, and the answer is the same almost every time. What are you so scared of? And if the answer is not like if whatever it is that you want is not going to result in you like dying, it's not going to result in you missing meals. It's not going to result in you not being able to provide you for your family. It's not going to be able to like prevent you from, you know, uh, being a decent person. What are you so afraid of? Because I am reminding myself of sort of my capacity and every time, Every single time that I give myself an excuse not to do something, it is always because I'm scared. I'm scared of what people will think of me. I'm scared of failing. I'm scared of how I'll look. I'm scared of whatever. And we just need to be less fearful. It's powerful stuff. Chris, thank you for being here today, man. This has been a really cool talk. Thank you, Brett. I appreciate you having me, man. This was fun. This was a lot of fun. Where, where can everyone uh, keep up with you online and, and, you know, keep up with everything that you're up to? Absolutely. You can find me everywhere at Chris Benjamin. I'm sure the spelling will be somebody somewhere on this like recording, but K-R-Y-S uh, Benjamin. Um, yeah. God bless you, man. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Guys, thank you for being here today. Of course, we'd appreciate you leaving a review or a rating if you have time. If not, hopefully we'll just see you next week. And until then, guys, let's do big things.